0: I'm trying something a little different for this episode. This is an exercise in self-motivation, really. I've realized that I basically don't write anything unless I have some external motivation. And it is coming up to Easter. It's the day before Easter, actually. It's a Thursday, 29th of March. And I have four days with no work on coming up. I really wanna get some writing done. I had a look at the last modified date on uh, my manuscript file there and i haven't opened it for over three weeks now and that doesn't feel great i haven't submitted a single thing this year um and yet the last three weeks i've just let myself go completely into paid work mode haven't really looked at any poetry books i've bought plenty of poetry books and they're all sitting there, looking very beautiful, on the top of a shelf. Um, yeah, I really need to get back into a writing mode, and what I want to try and do basically is, by talking to you, give myself a external kind of checkpoint each day, so I'll check in with you and say what I've been doing. I'm really hoping to write a pretty long poem over the next few days. I want to, obviously it won't be finished, but I want to at least get a first draft out. I feel like if I can write a long piece to finish off my manuscript, it'll be, I'll have everything that it needs. It'll have all the pieces there. And then it's a matter of actually editing it pretty closely before I send it off. That's kind of the phase I'm at. I feel like you never really know when a poem is ready, let alone a manuscript to send out to people, but just trying to go on gut feel here, Um, trying to use that rule of thumb, like if somebody found this, would you be happy with that? Would you want somebody to read it if they just came, stumbled across it? So as I said, it's a Thursday morning, nine in the morning, I don't feel like writing at all. (laughs) I should not feel like writing a single thing. Uh, My cheap strategy here when I feel like this and I know that I have to write something is give myself a tiny little goal, 20 minute burst of activity. And if I can't stand to write something at least read something and if I can't stand to read something at least listen to a podcast about poetry get myself into the zone that way and that basically always works you just set yourself a tiny little goal I've even done it with like 10 minutes you know just sit down for 10 minutes and engage with poetry in some way and usually that causes a you make a tiny little dent and you can kind of go from there. For me, the thing that stops me from writing is I don't wanna see how bad it's gonna turn out the first time, or indeed the 20th time you've drafted a poem. I don't want to come into contact with that. And so it's easier to just avoid it. I guess that's a kind of perfectionism really um, at work there. Because after all, if you never write it, you It it always remains perfect. It's just a perfect idea waiting out there for you. And you can just imagine how great it's gonna be when you finally sit down and write it. Yeah, so this is where I'm starting from. Not feeling awesome, but gonna try. And I will check in with you tomorrow. Alrighty, day two of my improvised writing retreat here at my house. Things are not going well. It's uh, one, nearly one o'clock on Good Friday. I have done nothing. Um, I've procrastinated real hard and have not opened any poetry books, listened to any poetry podcasts, written anything. Um, Yesterday I did listen to quite a few episodes of the Poetry Off the Shelf. That was pretty good. And I read a little bit more of The Ode Less Travelled. That's going okay. And I did write maybe six lines of this long poem that I want to work through this weekend. And I kind of got to this point where I was like, yeah, yeah, I know what I want to do here. Okay, cool. Done. Sweet. Go do something else. Um, Avoiding it really hard really hard yeah so we'll see what happens today trying to remain calm (laughs) not put too much pressure on myself it's not really working as you can also probably hear my voice I have a cold too so that's helping a lot (sighs) okay hopefully tomorrow will be better we have fast-forwarded a bit here it is now the Tuesday after Easter that cold that I mentioned in the last segment got worse and I just didn't sound like somebody who should be recording their voice so I spared you that bit but because I knew that I had to report back into you I did actually write and read each day I'm really grateful for that, so if you're listening to this episode, thank you very much for being there on the other side of the internet. Um, Yeah, I don't know why this works for me, but I just need even the vaguest sense that someone out there is waiting for the poem, and then I will actually sit down and write it. I've also joined up, um, you might want to look into this if you want your own version of external motivation. Um, there is a Facebook group called the Dirty 30 Challenge. And it's just a daily prompt. You post the poem that you write that day. You could join it any day during the, um, during the month of April if you wanted to. And there's millions of versions of that out there, I'm sure. I think there's 100, 100 poems in 100 days out there somewhere. And then the post-it notes poems on Twitter as well. Um, you could just start one between yourself and some friends if you wanted to do this kind of thing. I find it's really effective. Um, so what have I been up to while I have been lying in bed? I have had my notebook with me and I have been reading very small sections from the Ode Less Traveled. And the section that has been that was quite useful to me over the last few days is quite a funny bit where Stephen Fry takes on free verse. And so the poem that I had in mind to write over this weekend, I definitely thought was gonna be a big, rangy free verse poem, probably spilling over three to four pages. That was my goal anyway, but then I read this section and I kind of re-examined that goal. So I'll just read you a little bit from this section in the Ode Travels called, What is form and why bother with it? Stephen gets all cross. So he says, poetic forms can be crossbred, subverted, made sport of, mutilated, sabotaged, and rebelled against. But here is the point. If there is no suggestion of an overall scheme at work in the first place, then there is nothing to subvert or undermine. A whole world of possibility is closed off to you. He goes on to say, we can all surely admit without sacrificing any cherished sense of our bold modernity and iconoclastic originality, that a painter is in a better position to ignore the rules of composition or perspective if he knows exactly what those rules are. Just because poems are made of our common currency, words, it doesn't mean that poets should be denied a like grounding and knowledge. Besides, as I've emphasized before, Initiation into the technique of poetry is all part of becoming a poet and it is pleasurable. One is in the company of one's forebears, one is not alone. Learning meter and form and other such techniques is the equivalent of understanding culinary ingredients, how they are grown, how they are prepared, how they taste, how they combine. Then and only then is one fit to experiment with new forms. It begins with love, an absolute love of eating, And of the grain and particularity of food." So when I first read that I got pretty, I suppose, yeah, defensive and a bit depressed (laughs) because I thought, yeah, well I'm only just now coming to this book, um, The Ode Less Traveled. I'm only just now learning about all the types of meter that he discusses, all the forms. I'm still only halfway through the book. I started reading it at the start of the year because there's a lot to learn in here and it's not something that I ever encountered in um, times when I have been doing formal study. So, yeah, it's, but, but as I've said before, you know, I've been writing poetry for 10 years. So I've kind of been writing um, or in, in the metaphor that Stephen uses, I've been like a home cook making food that is, you know, most of the time edible. Um, but I haven't actually known what any of the rules are to do that. But more than that, that sort of worries me and sort of doesn't. I think um, more and more I'm coming to accept my status as an autodidact, which is a word I only learned the meaning of recently. (laughs) um, uh, Yeah, the thing that depressed me more was that he was speaking there about being motivated out of love, a love of food or a love of language, love of writing, and... You know, over the weekend, yes I had a cold, but I was feeling a very familiar sense of like, I would really rather be doing anything else but this. I would rather be washing up, gardening, talking to my friends, going out, watching something on YouTube. Um, The house gets so tidy sometimes when I need to sit down and write a poem. And I wrote down here, uh, I think this was on Saturday, does the fact that sitting down to do this is, is so hard, mean that I shouldn't be. Uh, yeah, like I said on that first day, on Friday, um, I wrote six lines, and I was like, that's enough, I'm out, I'm done. Whew, that was hard work, you know. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, I, I struggle with that sometimes, thinking like, okay, I find this really tough, maybe I shouldn't actually be doing it. Isn't it meant to be fun? But then... Thankfully, usually something clicks and you get back into a bit of a motivated space. So after his big long rant about um, forms and why they're important to understand, he moves into the next chapter, which is very interesting so far. He mentions at the start of this chapter um, the form known as the sestina. And that reminded me that uh, when I met my very good friend Eleanor she was writing sestinas and I had kind of heard of this form and thought it sounded really hard and didn't know how to write one Um, and thought and then once I looked at Eleanor's I was like oh yeah that's really cool but I didn't think it was really something that I wanted to do I guess I was still more interested in doing free verse things But, yeah, for some reason, after reading this much of Stephen Fry's book, um, I thought, yeah, no, that would be great. It would be great to write this poem as a Sestina because then I would have, like, it would be like a map and then I would know what to do (laughs) and I wouldn't feel so lost. And then all the things that Stephen Fry says in this argument against free verse suddenly made, made sense. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay, Stephen Fry wins. Um... Yeah, so then I started writing a Sestina. And I'll put up some photos of the drafts, of the first draft and the drafts that it has gone through. Now, as of Tuesday night, I think I'm probably on maybe my fifth draft. And yeah, it was real, real messy. What I want this poem to do is to sit at the end of the book and use some of the language and some of the ideas that have come before it. As like an inventory and then to play with them uh, a final time and kind of bring everything together hopefully um, that's not obvious like you know you'll be unsurprised to know that that's not what's actually happened in the draft as I went along to write it but uh, that was the original goal so I hesitate to do this but I'm, I want to read a little bit of the first draft and then tomorrow I'll come back here and I will read you where it's ended up in draft six or seven, or how much work I get done on it tomorrow. And then we'll just have to walk away from it for a while, I think. So, um, the title is The Empty Show, and I had that set before I even started writing the poem, which is pretty unusual for me. So these are the, the six lines I started with only you and i have seen the empty show there's always a you and here he is already help is on the way love things are basically not good it was like listening to the solar wind anything to do with the universe i'm gone so that gave me uh this is not in the poem that gave me gone show wind already good and love as my six end words and with the Sestina, you use those end words in different combinations in the following stanzas to make the rest of the poem. But I didn't like them as end words. I uh, didn't want to keep talking about show already seemed like a poor choice. Love seemed like a terrible choice. <laughs> so I got rid of that. Um, and then went back into the manuscript and found some phrases that I thought worked better. So this is my second go at the first stanza. Lost something, help is on the way, and I too fast to catch. All the missing energy found. Please give them back, I'm not mad. So those ended up being my six end words. Catch, mad, found, something, way, and back. And they've been quite fun to play with. So yeah that's that was the very shaky start of the poem and tomorrow i will come back to you with draft number whatever and uh, you can hear where it's ended up over the weekend Here we are. It is now Wednesday the 4th of April and this is what I have. This is my 6th, 7th, 8th draft of this poem that I've been working on. Um, It's pretty weird to read this out to you because I mean it's only a five day old poem or something. So there's I might look at this in a week or a month and think oh my god that's so embarrassing but at the same time I am a big proponent of not being afraid of sharing early drafts um, because at least that means you wrote a draft you have a draft to share and yet the point being of this whole exercise is something got written something exists that didn't exist before and that's thanks to you for listening So here it is, the empty show. Lost something? A nice dose of help is on the way. Looks like this, too fast to catch. Now I just want them found. Give all the missing poetry back. Understand I'm not mad. I worry I might be losing it, going mad. I'm a bit past it, but I'd love to help out. Something off-putting about this need to give back, makes space, move out of the way. Part of me went missing. It wasn't until I found this that I realized I'm quite the catch. Look me in the eye. You won't catch me going all Cheryl Strayed. You must be mad as a pillowcase. Look at you. You're all found out. I see your maybe face friend. You're something else. Going missing wasn't a way out. Hang on. I take that back. I'm seriously here for you. Got your back, sweetie. Don't sweet me. Catch up. A dose of missing the way I used to please. Said I looked hot. Not mad about it. At my co-working Wednesday, I caught something fast like this feather boy I found. Okay, but what if you found a cat on a beach or out the back of the croxton? Or what if she turned out to be something that looked caddish but was too fast to catch? I might get mad, but in a non-confrontational way. It's not what he says, it's the way he squeaks like a meat tray. If this were a found poem, I'd understand. You're hot. All mad as a sponge cake. Back up for a second. In your dreams, you catch it from Russell Brand? Now that says something. I'm not lost. I fell down the back of the fridge. This is all going too fast. Catch up? Did I miss something?